parents, thank you all for having kids with you today. Um, normally, of course, we have um, kids worship, and thank you all for just understanding because of the space today, keeping them with you. But kids, I want you all to do me a big favor today. Can you all do Pastor Barrett a big favor? If you can, you're going to see, so mommy and daddy have blanks on their pages, and Pastor Barrett has put the answers to those blanks up on the screen, all right? So every time you see the screen change, you're going to see the, the answer to mommy and daddy's blanks come up in red. And I want you to shout out the answer to your mommy and daddy. Help them to fill in the blanks. Can y'all do that today? Can you help me? Yeah? Okay. That would be huge. You just shout it out as soon as you see the blank and help mommy and daddy write those blanks in because they probably cannot do it by themselves. All right? So thank you kids for helping out in worship today. Um, We are starting a new series called Kingdom Come. And we're going to be talking in the next few weeks as we finish Luke chapter 17 and move into 18 and chapter 19. We're going to be talking a lot about the kingdom of God. So today we're going to spend our time at the very end of Luke chapter 17. And then we're going to unpack a little bit uh, a message that I'm calling kingdom focused. Who's ever heard the phrase kingdom of God? Okay. A lot of us hear the phrase. But to be honest, it's a phrase that a lot of people hear. But I just personally think at least in my own life, I came to a place I was like, I don't even know what this means. Like, what does it mean, kingdom of God? Like, when I hear kingdom, I think, like, medieval times. I think, like, jousting and big royal feast and women wearing big gowns and going to balls. And I think about times where there's no electricity and you have to use candles, which, by the way, our power went out. Whose power went out this week? Oh, good, just four of us. That's awesome. I'm glad to be, glad to be one of them, yeah. Our power went out this uh, past Friday night, and we had candles lit up all over the place. And Michelle put on my side of the bed a candle, and, I, and, and we felt like we were in the 17th century. So we go into bed, and we've got this candlelight going on. And she's like, honey, do you have a flashlight in case something goes wrong in the middle of the night? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a good husband. I've got a flashlight by my bed. I couldn't find it, obviously. So I'm like in bed, and I'm like leaning off the side of the bed, digging, like trying to find this flashlight. And lo and behold, Michelle goes, Barrett, Barrett, Barrett. And I see light coming from my head. I leaned over and my, I caught my hair on fire in the candle. My hair was in flames. And so I'm immediately like putting out this candle. So anyway, I am so glad that we live in this century and not that one. Because I would have been terrible at it. I probably would be dead by now. That's not what we're talking about when we say kingdom come. We're not saying let's go back to the 17th century, right? What, this is what we're talking about. What is kingdom? What is this thing all about? And that's what we want to unpack today. I want to just lay the foundation. I want to go through as quickly as I can some of these uh, bullet points so that we have an idea when we talk about the kingdom what it truly means. All right? Everybody with me? Luke chapter 17. We're going to read, and I need to get there myself. All right, starting in verse 20. We're going to read 20 through the end, and then we're going to go back and and talk about it. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them. He, being Jesus, answered them. The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look there, or 
Look, here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in His day. But first, He must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and and marrying and being given to marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and, and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who's on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who's in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed, and one will be taken and the other will be left. And there will be two women grinding together, and one will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, Where, Lord? And he said to them, Where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. So let's unpack this today, and and I'm going to try my best just to stick to the bullet points. I've got a plan, I'm going to try to stick to it, but y'all know me, I love Jesus and I love teaching the Word of God, and I get excited sometimes, so just hang on. Everybody got a pen? All right, first blank. Kids, are you ready? Here we go. Kids, everybody ready? All right, let's put it up on the screen. Jesus is who? King. King. All right, help your mom and dad. Everybody write down, Jesus is king. <laughs> That's the first thing you've got to understand if you want to understand the kingdom of God. This, the, the reality that God, that the Lord Jesus is truly king. God is creator. God is sustainer. God is Lord. When God made the heavens and the earth, when he made those first people there in the garden, Adam and Eve, which many of us are so familiar with, the relationship that God set up was always to be Man living in the presence of God himself. Man living in such a way that we're very aware of who God is and we're in his presence. Adam and Eve were to live with constant submission to his authority. Very aware that they are made in his image and that life comes from him and that joy comes from him and satisfaction comes from him. And obeying God just was, it's the most obvious choice. It is the most obvious choice. What Adam and Eve did and what you and I have done when we chose to walk away from God is the most irrational thing in the world. Because we understand that God exists. According to Romans chapter 1, we all know that God exists. And we all know that life is owed to Him. And somehow, even though we have this notion and this, we, we have this feeling that's taught to us by God, just in our inner self, that God is King and that our life is owed to Him, somehow we all turn away. You've done it. I've done it. All of us. Though God is king and he's the center of the universe, the maker of all things, the sustainer of all things, he's the great provider, the great rewarder. Joy is meant to be found in him, not other stuff, not other people, in him. Although this is so clear, we turn away and become kingdom, rather than kingdom citizens, we become kingdom rebels. But look, just because you turn your back on the sun and say, I don't need the sun, that sun doesn't exist, doesn't mean that the sun actually doesn't exist, right? 
no matter how many people can turn their back on God and say, oh, God doesn't exist and I don't need God, it doesn't take away the reality that God is king. You see what I'm saying? There's a principle taught in Scripture that God is king. He's always desired to be king. And if you look at the narrative of history, of biblical history, you see God calling people to himself, setting up a way for God to bring the kingdom rebels back into his presence. He's gracious and he's good, and he wants us to return to him as king. Everybody tracking with me? You see this all throughout the Old Testament with the system of the tabernacle and the system of the temple. God drawing people, wanting to set up this kingdom. And over and over the people rebelling and God always wanting to bring them back. And eventually you see all these promises that get led up to there's coming a day when God is going to make a way for his people to come back to him once and for all. There's coming a day where there's going to be not, an, not just the David type ruler who's Good for a time, but gone after. There's coming a day where there's coming a king. One who would return all people to God and make things right, both now and forever. He was prophesied over and over again. One from the line of David. One from the tribe of Judah. Here he comes. And then Luke chapter 1, we see the announcement that, behold, Mary is with child. And in her womb, God tells Mary, is this promised one who would fulfill this kingship? This need, this one who would be the great king to return us to him. Jesus comes onto the scene and he begins saying, I have been anointed by the Spirit of God to preach good news. I have come to preach the kingdom of God. And over and over he calls himself king. Even here in this passage it says he is the son of man. He is king. People recognize him as king even in his death. You remember the crucifixion of Jesus? What sign got put over him by Pilate? Pilate was convinced he was what? King of the Jews. He was killed, he was buried, he was resurrected by the Spirit of God in power to prove that he was who he said he was. And you get to Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2 and the apostles begin referring to Jesus as the King, the one who sits at the right hand of God, who has taken his seat in the kingly throne. Y'all track it with me? Jesus, let me tell you this, Jesus is king. Revelation chapter 19, verse 16, you can write this down. Revelation chapter 19, verse 16, says that Jesus has a tattoo. Serious. It doesn't actually say tattoo. Especially in Baptist circles, we better better be careful. But it says that on Jesus' body, there is written one phrase. You know what the phrase is? King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is king. Second point I want to show you is this. Kids, help me out. Jesus has a kingdom. All right, help mom and dad write that in. Jesus has a kingdom. Kingdoms always involve three things. Well, really four things. One is a rule. Two is a realm. Three is a result. And I want to tell you about Jesus' kingdom. (laughs) Jesus, we've already talked about, does have a rule. But you know what? Where's the realm of Jesus' kingdom? Does he have a place set up? Is it in a building? Is it in a house? 
Where is Jesus' kingdom? Can you see it? Look back at your scripture. Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them what? The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, what does it say? The kingdom of God is, and this is present tense, is in the midst of you. The kingdom of God is not in a place that can be seen or observed. It's not in a building. The kingdom of God, His reign, takes hold where? In people who know the King. Inside you. His reign is evidenced through changed lives. His reign takes root in human hearts. You track it with me? So when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're not talking about some place, some earthly rule. We're talking about His habitation within the hearts of man. Where He is, and and this is another thing that Jesus is saying. The Pharisees totally missed it. Where the king is, there the kingdom of God is. Where the king is, there is the kingdom. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he was standing there. The kingdom of God is there. But let me tell you, Corinthians talks about you now. The, the, The spirit of God no longer dwells in temples made by man or tabernacles made by man. The spirit of God dwells where? Inside of you. It says that you now are the temple of God. When you have His Spirit dwelling within you, you become His dwelling place. And that word tabernacle actually means dwelling place. He has now pitched a tent inside of your heart. And y'all, this is amazing. If you think about the glory of the presence of God there in the Old Testament, there in those places that were actually pitched with human hands, now His glory, that presence, is in all of you who trust Him and who call on His name. Isn't that awesome? Okay, I need some feedback. I think that's awesome. His kingdom has come. Now, what is the method of His kingdom? Is it force? Is it coercion? Does He legislate? What is the method of of Christ's kingdom? Spirit and dwelt believers. The Spirit of God is His method of operation. He works inside of you. He invites you, but He doesn't force you. The Spirit of God leads all of us. Now, He has legislated according to His Word of God, and this is our God. But the Spirit of God and the Word of God, that is His method. Now, what is the result of the kingdom of God? Righteousness. The result of the kingdom of God is changed lives. God coming in to make His home in us such that we could know Him and be like Him and and return, instead of being rebels, to be true kingdom citizens, such in a way that we love God, He's returned to the center of our life, our all in all, our joy, our satisfaction. Got me? So that's what we talk about when we talk about kingdom of God. Third point. Kids, we help me out? Here we go. The kingdom has come. All right, help mom and dad fill that in. The kingdom has come. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, one of the things that you might ask is, well, is this kingdom a present kingdom or is this kingdom a future kingdom? And the answer to that question is the kingdom is a present kingdom and the kingdom is a future kingdom. And you ask me, well, how is that possible? And I just say, well, that's just what the Bible says. It's the truth that we hold on to. 
The kingdom has come, and here's why. Because I just told you that the kingdom is wherever the king is. And Jesus has already come. Luke chapter 4, he steps onto the scene and says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim good news to the poor, to deliver the captives, to set the oppressed free. His kingdom is now enacted. Listen, today, if you will call on the name of Jesus... He will come and make His habitation in you and His kingdom, His presence will come to you today. It has already been opened. It is all, the kingdom has already been inaugurated because of what He's did, because He chose to come, because He chose to live perfectly so that we can have His perfect obedience counted as credit to us. He chose to die sacrificially so that His death would count for the death that we deserve. He chose to rise again from the dead so that we might have hope over sin and hope over despair and hope over life that we might have an opportunity to truly be with God forever. His kingdom has come. And it's open today for you, a rebel, to return to be a kingdom citizen by His grace and by His blood. Isn't that good news? Okay, more feedback. Okay, good news. Fourth, kids help out. His kingdom is what? Coming. That's exactly right. The fourth thing that we learn is His kingdom is coming. So Jesus here in Luke chapter 17 makes an interesting transition. He talks about now the kingdom of God, present tense, is in the midst of you. And then in verse 22, look at it. There's a shift. And then He said, he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there, look here. Don't follow them, for as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in His day. And he goes on to talk about all these futuristic and futuristic tents, the coming of the day when He will be revealed. So what are we talking about here? Well, we know that His kingdom has come. His presence is available today for all who will turn to Him and trust Him and call out on His name. But we also know that there's a day coming, the day that He's talking about here in Luke 17, there's a day coming where that... what God desired there in the, Adam of, in the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve, that day will become a reality again. The day when everything is as it should be. Where the deepest desires are fulfilled. Where His presence is not just by His Spirit, but His presence is actually with us. He will be actually with us. Where the, the earth will be renewed. Where there will be no more sadness and no more tears. Where the presence of God will dwell in our midst. And it says, on our foreheads will be written His name. There will be a sense of God everywhere. There is a day coming. It is not yet, it, but it will be. As certain as His first coming was, so will be His second. And on that day of His second coming, which here Jesus is talking about, this, the day that the Son of Man is revealed, His kingdom will truly come and He will truly establish an earthly, visible reign. And everything will be restored and renewed to as it should be. Y'all track it with me? That day is certain. That day is visible. 
it says just like lightning lights up the sky like it did this weekend. Just as you saw it and it was so clear, when the lightning pops, everybody's aware of it. His second coming will be that visible. That day is unknown. Nobody knows the day or the hour. And we've had a lot of people in recent years make a fool of themselves trying to guess it. No one knows the day or the hour. But let me tell you, just because no one knows doesn't mean that it's certain. It's coming. We just don't know exactly when it comes. That day will come suddenly. Here in the passage, Jesus talks about it'll be like the days of Noah. Where people are just like, ah, whatever. He's building this huge ark. He's talking about this flood coming that God gave him this word. That there's coming this flood. Ah, whatever. Stupid Noah. Right? I mean, that's kind of the attitude. of the. I mean, just imagine. He's out there saying... Guys, there's a day coming. God's told me he's coming. He's bringing a flood. Nah, whatever. We'll just eat, drink, keep marrying each other, keep having a good time. But the flood came, didn't it? And it came in a day they weren't expecting, and it caught them all off guard. And there was, for those who didn't heed the word of the Lord, it wasn't good in that day. The same thing happened in the day of Lot with Sodom and Gomorrah. The word had come. The announcement had been made. There was coming a day. And the people just didn't pay attention. And it caught them off guard. The day will not be certain. It will come suddenly. But the day we are assured will be wonderful. Uh, for those of us who've been married or for those of us who've been to a wedding, the, the, the coming of the kingdom of God is much like a wedding day. Where this is great anticipation for finally this bride who has been given this promise she's going to receive her groom her her groom is going to come for her and there's going to be this day where they finally get to unite they finally get to stand before each other face to face where all of these desires and all of these promises have been realized there is coming a day where this marriage will be consummated and there will be bliss forevermore does that make sense it's that kind of picture the day of the coming of the kingdom, the eternal kingdom, will be that kind of day, and it will be wonderful, where we get to meet Jesus face to face. Aren't you excited about it? He says he's the bridegroom, and his shout when he comes will be for his bride, his church, and I'm excited about that day. Fourth, excuse me, fifth, hey, this is the last point, this is good, kind of is a devotional today. All right, kids, help me out. Until then, his kingdom is what? growing. Absolutely. Until then, his kingdom is growing. The purpose of God is not to try to keep as many people out as possible. The whole purpose of God and the way that God established his kingdom and the way that God sent Christ for us is to invite as many people in as possible. Until the day of the second coming, the kingdom of God is growing. It's actually promised that the kingdom of God will continue to grow until that day. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14 says this, that all the nations, all the nations will hear about the news of Jesus and then the end will come. In Colossians 1, it talks about how the kingdom of God has been growing ever since the day that Jesus arrived on the scene and it has not stopped growing even until this day. Listen, more and more people are being invited into the kingdom as they hear the news that Jesus loves them 
and has made a way for them. And that now you can turn from your rebellion and come back to the King and receive grace and mercy and forgiveness and life eternal here in the presence of the King. The kingdom is growing. It's growing. It's growing. It's growing. Today, it's growing. More and more people are coming into the presence of God. He is making His his habitation in more and more and more people. And it will continue that way until the day of His second coming. Isn't that great news? That the kingdom of God is growing and that God desires for all people to know Him. Well, there's a couple of application points, and I just want to hit these briefly. Of these core truths of the kingdom. The first one is this, that our cry should be, long live the king. Y'all ever heard that phrase? Probably heard it in movies. Is it gladiator? Gladiator, yeah. Ooh-ah. Long live the king. Long live the king. What movie is that? William Wallace. Braveheart, that's the one. Braveheart. Man, when men watch that movie, they sprout chest hairs. It's great. Ooh-ah! Long live the king, right? There's this, this macho-ness that here's the king, and he's been protected, and we're going to defend him, and we're going to be for him, and together we're going to move forward in the battle, right? This is our king. May he live a long time, Right? The centerpiece of the kingdom is the king. Long live the king. Long live the king. Listen. If we can get excited and grow chest hairs over earthly kings, my goodness, how excited should we be over our eternal king? Amen? See what I'm saying? We should be excited. Listen. This is our king. God is God and he will be God forever and forever and forever. And His salvation, His guarantee of love and mercy and grace is as good as it will be now as it will be forever. And when you trust Him, you will be guaranteed to be in His presence forever. Isn't He a great King? Okay, the answer is yes. Long live our King. Long live our King. And He will live forever and forever. This is the cry of Revelation chapter 19. Let me just read it to you. Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are His judgments. Praise our God, all you His servants who fear Him, both great and small. He goes on to describe how the king, he says, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword which will strike down the nations. He'll rule them with an iron scepter. He treads on the winepress, and on his robe and on his thighs he has written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And there's this great picture that we see in heaven of all the nations surrounding around our God. And they're shouting out. They're shouting out, Long live the King! Now that's not exactly what they're saying from Braveheart. But it's similar. Blessed be our God, may power and strength and glory and praise go to Him forever and forever and forever. We are excited and we we praise our great King. You got it? Listen. I hope in your own life, I'm I'm just trying to be real with you. I hope that you set aside daily time for praise. I don't want you to necessarily go home and scream, Long live the King. Although that would be awesome if you did. But you need to set aside time, continual time for praise. Thank God for who He is. Praise His awesome name. Give Him praise that He is due. Long live the King should be our cry. Our desire should be this. Kids, help your parents. What should it be? 
Can you read it? Come, Lord Jesus. Yes. It's the, it's the cry there in verse 22 and 23 of chapter 17. You're gonna, you should long for the day of the Son of Man. Listen, right now, it is good to know God and it is good to have His Spirit dwelling within us, but I am ready. I long for the day that I can be with God face to face. Do you long for that day? I long for that day. It's the hope of our, it's the hope of our salvation. Not stuff, but being with God. He is wonderful. I am so ready for the day that we can be with God face to face. I am ready for the day of the Son of Man. Are you ready? I'm so excited and ready. I am so ready. Our desire should be always to be more in the presence of God than we, always, that we already are. That's why Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, for me it is better to depart and be with Christ. He considered it better to be with Christ than to be here on this earth. And I consider it better too, and I hope you do. Our desire should become Lord Jesus. Third, our mission should be this. Kids, what is it? Kingdom expansion. Kingdom ex- I love the way you said that, Ava. That was awesome. Kingdom expansion. Our desire should be God's desire to get as many people into His presence as possible. We know that we're made for our King. We know our rightful place. And our goal, our church's goal, my personal goal, your personal goal should be God's goal. And that is to invite as many people to turn from their rebellion and to turn back to trust our great King. We want people to come back to God. Is that a desire in your heart? Do you want people to know God? I want people to know God. It's not about me. It's not about growing this church. It's not about any kind of reputation that we have. You know why I want people to know God? Because God made people to know God. God made people to know God. Satisfaction only comes in Him. Listen, when I'm on the street and I meet people and I talk to people and they say, I'm just having a terrible, terrible time right now. I've just lost my loved one or I've just been diagnosed with cancer. My news to them is not, well, I'm so sorry, let me just sit with you. No, I want people to know that when they have cancer and when they're losing their life, they can turn to God. And God is great and He loves them. They can turn to God and they can trust Him. And they can know that life can continue even after death. That God is a provider, that God is a healer, that God is wonderful. Does that make sense? People don't need to know that you're a nice person. They need to know that God is a great God. And our goal should be to invite as many people in to know God and cherish God as possible. That's our mission. That's what you're about. You're not about being a great doctor or a great friend or a great husband, although I want you to be all of those things. I want you, first and foremost, to have consciously in your heart and in your intent a desire to see other people know the greatness of our God. And finally, we get to this, our need. Total abandonment. You see there in verses 32 to 34, Jesus says, if you want to find life, you must lose it. If you try to keep your life, you're going to lose it. There's this principle here. Jesus teaches over and over and over that, look, you need to give your all to the king. He doesn't want five minutes of every day. He doesn't want one hour of every week. He doesn't want 10% of the income. No, he wants your heart. The king wants your heart. 
the way he makes his kingdom is by you giving all of yourself to him and just saying, I'm yours. Long live the king. I'm yours. I happily come back to you to serve you, to be a part of your kingdom. I'm yours. Jesus, I am yours. I am sold out. I'm completely yours. You are my everything. That's our greatest need. To be a part of this thing that God is doing, we give our whole self to him. We present, like Romans 12 talks about, present our bodies, our hearts and our bodies as a a living sacrifice. We we give ourselves to him. God, I am yours. I know how you've made me. I know what you desire for me. I'm going to stop my rebellion. I'm going to come back to you completely. And from this point on, I am yours. Jesus, would you be my king? Would you forgive me? Would you give me your grace? Would you help me to live in your love? I'm yours. I lose my life for you. That's the picture that Jesus gives of total abandonment. Total abandonment. And I hope that's the desire of your heart. That's your need. And I hope that is where you are today. So, kingdom of God. We're going to move into a time of response. And uh, I just want you to, to, first of all, take some time, just in, a, in your own way, and just say, God, thank you for being our king. Thank you for being such a great God. Thank you for establishing this world such that we can know you, we can see you, and that you've invited us back to you. Thank you so much for sending Jesus. Because you know what? If Jesus hadn't come and hadn't done what he did, there would be no hope to return. We would be stuck in our rebellion. There would be no grace and no forgiveness. We'd be stuck paying our own debts. But thank you, God, that you sent Christ, our great King, such that when we trust you, Christ, we can receive grace and receive forgiveness and receive help in our time of need. Just thank God for being King. And just evaluate, is your greatest desire to just be in His presence? Has His kingdom truly come inside of you? Is His reign today in your heart and in your life? Is there any area that you're still a rebel and you need to just subject to our great King? I ask today, is His presence in you? It's the mark. It is the only mark of those who know Him. And if not, I invite you today to trust Him, to call out on His name. He's promised to come to those who call. And third, I just want you to focus. Is your mission to expand God's kingdom? Is that your highest priority, your greatest desire? Are you fully available and surrendered to Him in every area of your life? Just take some time for praise. If you want to join this church, we'd love for you to join this morning. If you want to make a decision for Christ, I'd love to talk to you, pray with you. Uh, Just respond as God leads, and we'll move from there into um, the rest of our day.